Sure. Let's okay. just start in the East because those ones were all yeah. pretty yeah. Head and dry. The Bucks took down the Magic in five, and it pretty much went the way everybody was expecting. The Magic got super hot in game one and were able to shoot their way to a victory. And then yeah, that didn't really happen for the rest of the series. I don't think Giannis played more than 30 minutes in any one of the games. And so the Bucks sort of just coasted their way to a victory without really putting forth much effort. If there was like any takeaways from the Magic, it was that I thought Markel Fultz looked pretty good and had yeah. a good series like as a distributor. So that's good for your young guy to get some playoff experience and look mm-hmm. pretty good. But the Bucks were in complete control the entire time. Moving down to the 4-5 matchup, between the Heat and the Pacers, um, which was obviously a sweep and the end of Nate McMillan's tenure as Indiana's head coach. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just didn't really have the offensive firepower to compete with the Heat switching defense. They didn't really have anybody to attack in ISO. Um, Jimmy Butler was able to play TJ Warren pretty well. Um, Victor Oladipo took a lot of bad shots and just looked out of sorts. Malcolm Brogdon, I thought, had a pretty good series, but he's like the third option on the Pacers offense, which was kind of weird. Oladipo, yeah, that is odd. Oladipo took a ton of shots away from him, I thought. And then on the other end, uh, I think the biggest takeaway is all the Heat's young guys looked playoff ready. Like Duncan Robinson had a big series. He definitely is going to stress out any defense he faces. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hero. Um, probably not only had a good series, but probably played the best stretch of basketball to date this season. Uh, he hit quite a few big shots, especially in the closeout. In the last two games, he put down a lot of shots that kind of put the games out of reach in each matchup for the Heat. And so those two guys looked good. Goran Dragic really impressed me. Um, he doesn't look like oh, yeah. a 30-year-old out there at all. He still has a lot left to, to give on offense. And so the Heat are playing their best basketball of the season. Moving down to Brett Brown's last um, few games as the coach of the 76ers. <laughs> yeah. His team got swept by yeah. the Red so Hot. What? Very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, and it is. It's, you got to cut him a little bit of slack without Ben Simmons, but um, yeah. it was just pretty bad. Uh, Joel Embiid, we kind of knew he was going to have a good series because going against like Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor, mm-hmm. the Celtics don't quite have the defense at the five position um, to stop Embiid. And Embiid definitely had four very big games this series. But I think this sort of just proves what a disadvantage you're at if your best um, player is a center because <laughs> yeah, because you can't really like if your best player is a center, you can't really guarantee that he can get a good shot on a given possession, you know, like yeah, bro. if your best player is like Damian Lillard or Stephen Curry, you kind of like control your own destiny because the ball is in the hands of your best player and he's trying to get his shot off. But if your best player is Joel Embiid and you need him to shoot, like your destiny is kind of in the hands of like Shake Milton or Josh Richardson. And this, I thought the 76ers downfall was obviously the lack of shot making, which kind of allows the Celtics defense, which is 
probably one of the best help defense teams in the league to sort of collapse on Joel Embiid, but also the lack of um, good playmakers and lack of guys who could throw an entry pass and kind of set the table for Joel Embiid. So even though Joel put up good numbers, the 76ers just pretty much had nothing on offense. And on the other end, Jason Tatum played amazing. Kimba Walker. Always. Had, yeah, Kimba was – yeah, you are a big Jason Tatum guy. I and mean, he was awesome. The 76ers really didn't have an answer for Kimba Walker. They just kind of kept putting Joel Embiid in a drop coverage for the entire series, and Kimba burned him from mid-range and from beyond the arc. Um, so, yeah. How do you watch all these games? Well, I don't watch all of them live. Yeah. Sometimes I just go back and watch replays. Mm-hmm. But, you watch the replay of the whole thing? Yeah, unless it's like... <laughs> Unless it's garbage time. I don't really watch garbage time. Yeah, yeah, for which sure. Which brings us to the next series of Nets-Raptors, which I admittedly did not watch hardly the series at all. This is the one series that I just kind of completely put on the back burner. It wasn't um, competitive, right? Not at all. Uh, the only game that was like semi-close was game two. And even then, I think the Raptors won by more than 10. Uh yeah. Yeah, I don't really even have anything to say. It was just complete mm-hmm. domination by Toronto. Kyle we- Lowry sprained his ankle in game four, and he looked a little out of sorts against Boston in game one, but I don't think it's anything to be too concerned about. Um, yeah. Carousel, oh, yeah, because they already played game one, huh? Yeah, and Boston rolled them. But yeah, dude, the Boston's legit. Yeah, and we can talk I more think about that they're going to, they could come out of the East, dude. Yeah, it's starting to look like that's a possibility. We can talk about that one more later, but like, okay. that's how come be... they were such a like? I feel like no one really talked about them. No, because they were like the three seed going in, and everybody was sort of like ready to hand the Eastern Conference to Milwaukee. But then Boston is coming on strong. I actually Boston's picked really good. coming huh? out of the East. I actually picked Toronto coming out of the East. No, yeah. Isn't looking so good now that Boston was red hot today. But yeah, we should talk about that series in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, And then, so we've got Milwaukee in the heat. uh, And then obviously, and then Boston versus freaking um, Toronto, which I do. I do. The Boston, the Celtics are so freaking good. Like I literally love all the players on their team. Yeah. All five of them there. Really starting to heat up. No, yeah. So, are you going to talk about the West a little bit? I mean, the West. Yeah. Dude, speaking of freaking, <laughs> not like not having like you don't really want your best player to be your center, but like like Joel Embiid or whatever. Right. Nurk was making me so mad with some of his careless shots that he was putting up, like in transition, like yeah. when he would just flick floaters up. It's like, what? What are we doing? Yeah. It's like that's just like a wasted possession, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was sort of um, – you could definitely tell the Blazers were a bit out of juice after yeah. um, they having to play their asses off for nine games in a row yeah. to get into the playoffs. But, yeah, Nurk was very magnified by the fact that, like, Zach Collins was hurt. Mm-hmm. Dude, it literally the, – the five guys that start the game are basically going to play the entire game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's exhausting. Yeah. And then James suffered two injuries, like within the same series, he dislocated his finger and sprained his knee. Yeah. So Blazers kind of caught the Lakers on a terrible shooting night and were able to win a close one in game one. 
and then the rest of the games were not very competitive. The Lakers yeah. kind of rolled. LeBron. Some of the games should have been actually closer. Than, I mean, more blowouts than they actually were portrayed. Like that, what was it? Game two or three that they missed like a bunch of free throws that would have made the game look a ton worse than it actually was. And it already looked bad. Yeah, I think we ended up losing that one by probably between 10 and 15. And yeah, they missed a ton. Free throws, which I mean, they're not a great free throw shooting team, so you can. But yeah, but I mean, like Anthony Davis had like a really off night. Yeah, Anthony Davis was. Because isn't he like over? He's like yeah, eighty like percent. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the Lakers really good, definitely beatable though. Oh yeah, I would say they're beatable. Um, and then it'll take a team with at least a little bit of defense to do it, which. Is not the Blazers, but yeah, I'd say they're vulnerable. The four five matchup, but I think the Thunder are kind of dead in the water in this one. I think the series is over, especially with freaking Russell back. Yeah, Russell Westbrook was back and he actually looked pretty terrible. Oh, yeah, he didn't, he was not playing good, but I just. It's like a confidence boost to have one of your best guys back on the floor. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end, I think the Thunder or the Rockets have pretty much completely solved Oklahoma City because um, there's the drum of Stort where he's like the only guy who can guard James Harden. And he's like a a Lou Dort. And like the Thunder's starting. He was undrafted rookie this year, so he came out of literally nowhere. And he's the only guy who can competently guard James Harden for the yeah. uh, Thunder, and he's actually doing a really great job. But on offense, he just can't hit a shot. Like, I think this past game, he was like 2 for 13, including 0 of 9 from distance, and most of his threes weren't even very close. And so yeah. he's just too big of an offensive liability to have on the court because the Thunder or because the Rockets can basically just help off of Lou Dort and the Thunder, which pretty much makes life hell for OKC. Yeah. And then on the other end, if you take Lou Dort out in favor of like Dennis Schroeder and keep Schroeder, Gilgis, Alexander and Paul on the floor at the same time, one of those guys has to guard Harden and Harden's, completely burned any non-Lugan Stort uh, guard that the Thunder have used on him. So yeah, even though that one's 3-2 right now, I think I'd give like the Rockets the heavy. I'd give them a heavy advantage to win that series. I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to be seeing Rockets, Lakers round two. Yeah, I don't know how that one's going to go. It could be yeah, a freaking scoring fest. You think it's going to be a scoring fest? It could be. Yeah, it could be for sure. Um, yeah, I, kinda... I mean, the Lakers, like, I don't know. I don't feel like their defense is that good. The Lakers? Yeah. Yeah, I actually, yeah, it's interesting. They've actually had some of the best defense in the league this year, but it's interesting how much of that can, like, hold up in the postseason because, like, they don't really have a matchup to put on James Harden at all. Like, well, no one can really guard guard James Harden, though. <laughs> no, it definitely takes. It definitely takes. It takes him having a bad game. Yeah, which is possible. Um, oh yeah, well, because like he's never a guy that has like hella good efficiency all the time. 
Yeah. You know, especially the shots up sometimes. Especially not in the playoffs. So I think the <laughs> Lakers could definitely take advantage if James Harden has some cold shooting nights. But yeah, that'll be an interesting one too. Um, and then the 3-6 one, which we just saw tonight with Denver forcing a game seven. That's been obviously a fun one with like two rising stars, Jamal and Donovan, just yeah. kind of going head to head. Dude, yeah, Jamal Murray's a stud. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. You're not too sold on both. No, I like and... them. I oh, this isn't a new standard <laughs> for him. Like this isn't like the new baseline of how Jamal. No, obviously, always gonna play. Right. But I also don't think what he did in the regular season was the real Jamal Murray either. Like he's not going to be that bad. Like I think Jamal Murray's kind of somewhere in the middle, which is like, yeah, he's a very good shooter, but I don't really think you, I don't really think Denver's offense is going to be based too much on him, like shooting step backs and uh, playing like cat and mouse with Jokic on the pick and roll. Um, yeah. I think, like, obviously Denver's offense, for the most part, has sort of been based on, like, Jokic having the ball in his hands at the nail and sort of quarterbacking the game with, like, cutters and handoffs and all that stuff, which credit Utah's done a good job of taking that away, mostly with Gobert coming out to bother Jokic quite a bit. Um, yeah. And so that's basically forced Murray to kind of step up and – in a lot of ways, be the guy for Denver on offense. And he's definitely risen to the challenge and his shot making through the course of the series has been unreal. So. Yeah. This whole playoffs run is like, it been kind of an unorganized mess, especially with the postponement of the games. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause like we already have the Eastern conference starting on their semifinals and we don't even have the West done yet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, that happens. The that East happens by every, fast, though, because of yeah. the sweeps. Yeah, and that kind of happens every year. That's just sort of the nature of, like, having best of seven series, and then, like, some of them will finish in four games, and, like, some of them will take seven. So it just kind of results in, like, uneven scheduling. But, like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and then as for the Clippers versus Dallas, Dallas basically had to give the Clippers everything they got just to stay in the game. Like, game two, they basically – I mean – um, not game two, game four. They basically lost game four. It was just yeah. a lucky shot. I mean, yeah. obviously, Lucas is stud and stuff, but I mean, like, you're one shot away from literally losing that game. Right, and that game was a blowout in the making, and the Clippers kind of let their foot off the gas a little yeah. bit, kind of lost their edge. And, like, um, you were, I, not to throw you under the bus, but you were, like, calling for the Mavericks to win game five. Oh, yeah, I thought that they were gonna. I thought they were gonna blow out the clips. Yeah, not not no wait no no not blow them out. I thought they were gonna scrape away another win. Yeah, but it was just one of those situations where the Clippers. I couldn't have been less like right, bro. <laughs> they got yeah, absolutely they, demolished. Yeah, uh, you kind of knew the Clippers like kind of figured out how to beat the Mavericks the game before, and they just were not gonna let themselves blow another 20 point lead. And so they came out like they had something to prove and kind of yeah. that was the Clippers best game of the season. Like I wasn't expecting that, but mm-hmm. yeah, they were firing on all cylinders. And I think Kawhi has been one of the best players of the playoff this if like we're ranking the best players in the playoff, I think you've got to go Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Luka Doncic. Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, in some order. Those five guys have all just been 
incredible so far in the playoffs. You know who is pretty much unstoppable when they're on? Who's that? Who do you think? Jamal Murray? No. Who? Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. his mid-range shots, it doesn't yeah. matter who's guarding him. No, because there could be five guys with hands in his face, like like this. Yeah, but, but he'll push you over him. Yeah, <laughs> and he'll literally drain it. Like he like Nurk kept play- he played some pretty good defense. Like or not even Nurk, just every like whoever like even Gary Trent was on him sometimes. I mean, obviously that's a mismatch and stuff, but like guys playing really good defense on him, and he still just like he makes these like mid range jumpers look so easy, even though it's like decent defense. Like it doesn't even matter really who's guarding him. Like if he's on, he's on. Like. Which you'll like honestly live with that if you're playing the Lakers. If you're going against the Lakers, Anthony Davis shooting mid rangers is like probably the best case scenario. Because when you've got like a seven footer free capley, one of like the best above the rim finishers in the NBA, mm-hmm. and he's shooting jump shots from like 18 feet away from the hoop, like that you're that's fine. Even though he's like you were saying, super good at that shot. Um, it's something you can live with. The thing that bothered me, though, when the Blazers were playing is that, you know, the minutes when LeBron was off the floor and there was a Caruso. Um, mm-hmm. a Caruso. Your favorite, your favorite player. Yeah. The Caruso <laughs> pick and pop. And the Blazers would, like, load up to stop Alex Caruso. Like, we'd be, <laughs> we'd be going over the screen and just trying to stay glued to Caruso. And like having Nurkin drop coverage, trying to meet Caruso at the rim when like eighties literally hit three mid range shots in a row. Like yeah. the real, the real threat in that pick and pop isn't Caruso. <laughs> yeah. Davis. And it, the Blazers weren't able to figure that out even after four games of 80 kicking their ass. Yeah, for real. So if we're being real here, we're going to go probably the clips and the Lakers are going to meet each other. Right. I don't think so. I think the Rockets. I don't think so. I think, well, maybe. Don't be salty just because you lost this year. I haven't fully fully thought through the Rockets-Lakers series. I agree with you. Dude, there's no way the Rockets get past the Lakers, dude. Here, let's talk. Let's talk about this. No, wait. Okay, 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 okay. Sometimes it actually helps me to talk it through because I I haven't. (laughs) It's like your therapy session. (laughs) Yeah, I I haven't thought about this series at all yet. Okay. I've kind of been holding off till the Rockets actually finish it out. Who? Okay. Let's be here. So they've got Danny Green. Yep. And they've got obviously Russ Harden. Wait, what team are you talking about? Wait, the, I'm talking about Houston. No, 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 the Lakers. No, wait, who has Danny Green? Who? Wait, who's who's on the who's on the Houston? So Houston's starting lineup is going to be Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Oh wait. Uh, okay, keep going. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Uh, then like Rocco, PJ Tucker, Daniel yeah. Ross. Dude, who the hell is Danny Green on right now? The Lakers. The oh, he's on the Lakers. Got it. Okay. All right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's right. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, Houston just plays a defense where they sort of like switch everything. So when the Lakers have the ball, like they're going to be able to get mismatches for 80 every time. Like you were saying that, um, that mid range shot for 80, he's going to be able to shoot that every possession if he wants to, cause the Lakers just, cause the Rockets, just don't have anybody who's tall enough 
to contest him. But what I would expect the Rockets to do is probably load up and double team AD every time he catches the ball and just kind of force the Laker role players to hit shots. Like they'll probably make Danny Green and KCP beat him from beyond the arc because I would have to assume they're going to throw everything at um, at at um, AD. So what I wouldn't be surprised with is the base matchups being probably probably PJ Tucker on AD. Just kind I, of. I, dude, I, sorry, I was thinking of Eric Gordon. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. And I Eric get all Gordon. those three point snipers confused sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah, Eric, yeah, pretty similar players. So what I would expect probably is the base matchup to be PJ Tucker on Anthony Davis and Robert Covington on JaVale McGee. And let's not, like, let's not play around here. JaVale McGee is going to get played off the court very quickly in this series. Like, did he, didn't, did he play a lot? I felt like Dwight Howard played a lot. Yeah, and Dwight Howard's going to get played off the floor here too. Like, there's no, there's no space for those guys on the floor. Um, no offense, but, like, I just see that the Rockets are really front-loaded. Like, they're... I feel like after I like mean, if, are the Lakers ha- are the Lakers not front loaded too? Yeah, but they have like scores though. I mean, like KCP's been playing pretty well, and then like if Kyle Kuzma actually like plays good, he's fine. And then like um, Dwight Howard is actually kind of solid. Dwight Howard's not going to be able to play in this series. Though. Why? Because he's going to have to guard a three point shooter, which he can't do. Let me see here. Okay, I get. Yeah, I dude. I just don't. Th- I just don't think the Rockets are really that good. Like if the Warriors can beat the Rockets, dude, stop. Yeah, I mean the the Warriors could beat this Lakers team too, though. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I actually have some more Warriors thoughts that I've. Been hey, wait, no. Okay, I've been looking at. I was looking at like the mock drafts and stuff in um they have james wiseman going to the warriors and i'm kind of down with it and they yeah. have him projecting on his projection is what's that franchise center yeah so okay here's- dude he actually i know that you're saying james wiseman isn't the answer but i mean like come on dude no, he's i kind of easy. changed my mind you um, you stop it you change your mind i changed my mind though for this reason because like when you never think about the, athletic. the Warriors and having the second pick, like the most important part is. Because you know what I mean? No, sorry. You cut out for a second. Oh, I did. Oh, sorry. Um, no, you're good. So I was saying, I think the Warriors should actually make the pick like a, a bunch of. Yeah. Has been made about trading the pick. And I think. No. If, I think if you can get a really, really like super or not superstar, but like if you can get an all-star level player to put next to Steph and Clay, then I think you do trade the pick. But short of that, I think you keep it because of the simple idea of like maintaining flexibility. And obviously maintaining flexibility is something that's like super important for any NBA team, but it's, I would say especially important for the Warriors just because like we don't know what the Warriors are going to be next year or going forward. Like they could be an NBA title contender and they could be a team that's like just fighting to maybe make the playoffs. Like, sure. 
it's like I know, I know. It's a it's a really fine line. Like yeah, literally, like, one injury to the a Warriors can de- devastate their season. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be an injury. It could be as simple as like Clay not looking good coming back or Draymond. Like if all those guys come back really good, they're a clear cut championship contender. But if those guys experience a big drop off, it could look pretty ugly quick and that's why i think you make the pick is because i think you make the pick at number two and select james wiseman and that way like if you do look good at the trade deadline you can move james wiseman and there are probably more attractive trade offers available at the trade deadline than there are at the draft so like you can always draft james wiseman and trade him later for another star if you want to okay but then if your season isn't going well and if it looks like Steph and Clay and Draymond are all sort of on the decline, you can hang on to them and all of I a just, sudden you've got like a good young player. You know, I just think that you have to take this opportunity. Yeah. I to think get, to get young a young athletic center. Yeah. He like he 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 has he can protect the rim. Oh yeah, he he get can get offensive board obviously offensive boards defensive boards. He also can like create his own shot at times too, and yeah. he has some handles. Yeah, you would hope he's not handling the ball too much. Well, obviously not, but like if you had if he had the ball in his hand, it's not like, um, like a Joakim Noah where it's like yeah. it's an absolute not, like it's not that bad. No, exactly. He's just really long and athletic, and I think he like the Warriors need something like that. Cause they've, that's the one thing they've literally lacked their, their whole entire run is in a, not, not like a reliable cause they've had a lot of reliable guys. They've had like, they've had guys like JaVale Festus and like David Lee and guys like that. Yeah. But like never someone that's like hella dynamic. Do you want to know what my favorite um, Warriors pick trade that I've heard so far is? Yeah. What is it? So it's with the Knicks. And so you're trading the second pick for the next pick, which is the eighth overall. And what? You're and then getting, who do you get? What you're getting back is Mitchell Robinson. Um, what about that one dude uh, from Auburn? Isaac Okoro. Yeah. What about him? Isn't he like a wing? Yeah, he's gonna be like a small forward. He's so he's supposed to be like the best defensive wing in this class. He's like. And you said those are rare. Yeah, they are very rare. So um, yeah, the Celtics are going to get him. No. <laughs> no. They wish. He's not going to fall that far. Uh, but he's like super strong. He's got quick feet. Uh, very athletic. He just doesn't really have any sort of offense yet. Like he can't really do oh. anything with the ball in his hands and his shot looks bad. But if he can like even have some semblance of any sort of offensive niche to fill mm-hmm. i think he's got a shot at being really good i think he's going to be like the next og ananobi and that's saying a lot because i really yeah like that's saying a lot can you give me a little insight on old anthony edwards i hate him because like i i only watched like a little bit of highlights on him i watched I, one i watched one georgia game at the beginning of the year i am not at anthony edwards dude guy. he's he's supposed to be franchise talent or yeah. no yeah I think he is the next Andrew Wiggins. Um, I think that's not bad. Andrew Wiggins is going to be best player on the one of the best scorers on the Warriors next year. Swear to God. True. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think 
just the highlights on Edwards, like obviously he just looks like a guy who has a shot at being an elite basketball player. Like he's super strong. He's super bouncy. He's an explosive athlete. Um, he, in theory, is supposed to be a shooter, but he shot really bad last year, and his shot selection was just terrible, which is another, like, Wigginsy thing about him. He was way too comfortable taking atrocious step-back threes and mid-rangers and just all sorts of shots that were just terrible. Like, um, really? Not that he's a ball hog, just he sort of has poor judgment of what's a good shot. Like, very low basketball IQ on this kid. His um, defense was very troubling. Uh, and it was funny. He did an interview with, like, this ESPN draft guy, Mike Schmitz. And Mike Schmitz, like, blatantly called him out. Like, what's what's happening here, Anthony? Your defense is terrible. And <sighs> Anthony Edwards was just like, yeah, that's mostly just due to a lack of effort this year. And so, like, he's not – he doesn't have a very high motor on the defensive end of the floor. His decision-making on offense is atrocious. He said that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like – That's not that, something you want. No. The physical profile and the athleticism is obviously very appealing. And his ability to get hot and, like, knock down tough three-pointers off the bounce. Like, yeah. that's intriguing as well. But I just think the – there's so much downside. Like he's a high risk, high reward. Like he could be terrible and he could be awesome, but I think it's like a 75% chance of him being terrible and a 25% chance of him being awesome. Like there's no in between. Yeah. I, I think Mello could be pretty solid. LaMelo. Yeah. Yeah. I like him a lot. I just think that if he gets in a situation where he isn't going to, if he just has weapons to pass to, yeah, where he doesn't have to take on like sort of a scoring first. Yeah, goal. yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like Lamelo more than Edwards. That's for sure. I for sure. I don't really think Lamelo is going to be amazing either. Um, this draft class, I like it because it has a lot of good role players, like in the mid and late first rounds. But like the star upside just isn't there for this draft. There are no like future s- superstars. I don't think. Yeah. Whereas I think James year, Wiseman could be a solid player for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Because he'll be surrounded by other really good players. Yeah. If I had to make a comparison for James Wiseman, I think he could be like a more skilled version of Hassan Whiteside, who maybe plays with a little bit higher IQ on defense. Way more skilled. Well, yeah, hopefully. Um because he sort of has that, like, he's sort of, like, tall, um, athletic, like Hassan is. Kind of got those, like, broad shoulders. Just, like, a similar player physically. But, like you were saying, like, yeah, he can put it on the floor. Whereas, like, Hassan would be hopeless if he tried to attempt some of the, um, some of yeah. the like, face-up moves that Wiseman did at Memphis. For sure. And the theory with Wiseman is that he'll even be able to shoot a little bit. And like no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and like I don't, I don't know how much that will come to pass, but if he actually can, that would be huge. Right, it'll be we massive. Have, we just have like very little information on him, though, you know, because he didn't because he barely played. Yeah, he played like three games at Memphis. So, but against like, like less than stellar competition. What I will say though is, it's very rare that players who have like the same physical frame as James Wiseman 
along with his athleticism. Like there are no guys like that who are just bad in the NBA. Like right. he'll either be okay or really good. But I think like the floor for him is really high. Whereas like the floor for a guy like Anthony Edwards, I would say is extremely low. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as for the NBA playoffs, we're seeing because you never really we kind of got sidetracked. You never really got into the the Lakers Houston. Oh yeah, should we finish that or did I already spend too much time on it? No, I don't. I don't care. But I really, the more I'm actually looking at it, both of them are kind of front loaded. It's yeah. going to come down to who's the better team when your stars aren't on the floor. Which. For Houston, their stars are going to be on the floor the entire time. Um, right, they they can't really afford not to. Yeah, they're not they're not going to rest Harden Westbrook hardly at all. They're probably going to each play like 42, 43 a game. Um, so for the Lakers, like I said, Houston's going to load up and try to stop AD. I think they can do a pretty good job at that. I think they can do a really good job at that when you take in. So I'm going to say the baseline matchups are going to be PJ Tucker on AD. You're probably gonna see. You're probably gonna see, maybe Russell Westbrook of all people guarding Javel McGee. Uh, I would say load up Robert Covington on Kentavious Caldwell Pope. That way, Kate. That way, Covington can be like in the best position of all of them to sort of help out on AD. And then from there, you put Harden on Danny Green, and I guess you end up with Eric Gordon on LeBron James. So I would say that's going to be sort of your that's going to be the base set for the Rockets in this series. And I think that can do a pretty solid job. Obviously, the Rockets are super switch heavy, so that look and LeBron James is obviously such a high IQ player that he'll use the Rocket switches against them and try to find like the best possible matchups. So that will probably be a pretty interesting dynamic to look out for. But I think the Rockets can do a pretty good job of taking AD out of the game just because they'll play smart. They'll double him all the time. They'll force him to kick it out to the Lakers' more mediocre role players. So, and then, so it's really going to come down to which team, it's going to come down to which teams scores more. Or no, it's <laughs> down to which team her players can hit shots. Like yeah. KCP and Danny Green outscore like Daniel House and Eric Gordon and all those guys. Um, like if Kuzma's on the floor, like you shouldn't even guard him. Really? Like you just double team someone else. Yeah. I mean, Kuzma's the one guy who I'm I kind of worried about heating up. He, he's, he, yeah. He's he, part he, of a microwave. He's one of those guys who you're going to tell within the first minute of him being on the floor whether he's going to be great that night or terrible because yeah he's either got it or he doesn't um i i like i i think he's good i think i don't know like yeah i it, like him too it's just like consistency is key yeah and i the thing that's really sold me on him recently is how the effort sort of increased on defense because yeah i actually yeah i like him a lot more now than i did before so then when the rockets have the ball there's not a great matchup for james harden i think um the lakers honestly best matchup for james harden is just the fact that they sort of have anthony davis who will kind of deter harden from attacking i think that whoever's guarding harden whether it's pope or more likely danny green can probably just load up and sell out on 
trying to stop the three-pointer and just trust Anthony Davis, who will probably be guarding Robert Covington. Or Oh, yeah, the Rockets play really small, huh? Yeah. Imagine if they had Clint Capella, how much of a difference that would make. Yeah, I think that would work out worse for the but Rockets, the- though. That would be a, I, I think the Rockets are going to be very glad they don't have Clint this series. Even with Russell and Harden? Oh, yeah, because having Clint Capella would allow the Lakers to keep JaVel McGee or Dwight Howard on the floor at all times, whereas now the Rockets are going to be able to run those guys off. Yeah, that's true. And they're going to force Anthony Davis to play help defense instead of act as a room protector. So when I think about it, I think I think the Rockets are going to be able to take away a lot of what the Lakers want to do. And I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to take so much away from the Rockets. So now it just comes down to, like, is a um, compromised Lakers offense better than what the Rockets have got? And I think this series probably goes six or seven. Um, In favor of Houston? Um, it's going to be close. Oh, my God. You keep changing your mind. <laughs> yeah, Give me Houston. Give me Houston and seven. All right. I think right. the Rockets get it done. All right. Tell me your predictions. So we've got – it's not even a lock that Houston gets out of the OKC series yet, though. I think so, it is. I don't know. You never you know. know. You know how Charles Barkley's been giving out those guarantees on TNT? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guarantee that the Rockets close out Who, OKC tomorrow. Who's winning, Denver or Utah? Ooh, that's tough. That's a tough one because... It's literally a toss-up. Yeah, and the thing about that series is that it's sort of just been defined by, like, insane shot-making, so it's just going to be pretty much whoever gets hotter. But I, I'm going to give it to Denver, though, because I think... Are we, are we seeing... Okay, what were you going to say? I think that Denver, especially with Gary Harris, has finally been able to sort of load up on Donovan Mitchell and kind of force the Jazz role players or the like secondary guys like Mike Conley and like Jordan Clarkson. I think the jazz or the nuggets have finally like been effective at taking the ball out of Mitchell's hands and somewhat recovering. So I think, I think the nuggets can finish him off. But the Clippers are going to beat both of those teams. Whoever okay. wins, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't even really matter to be honest. Yeah, I think the nuggets give them maybe a little bit more problem than the, Jazz too, but I think I think Clippers in five or six, regardless. Okay, so that means we're gonna have Houston versus LA. That's yeah, that's what my prediction would be. And you're gonna go with the Battle of Los Angeles, huh? I'm gonna say Houston Clippers, but are you gonna just pick a Battle of Los Angeles for the Western Final? I just don't see how that Houston gets past. The Lakers. Yeah, it's going to be a tough series for him for sure. Yeah, I just don't see that. I don't. I don't see LeBron letting that happen. Yeah, fair enough. LeBron has. And if AD keeps dropping thirty plus on like forty points a yeah. game, that it's going to be a long series. Yeah, I think the Rockets can kind of do some things to sort of compromise AD, but we'll see. How do you think a um, Blazers-Houston series would have went? 
Ooh, that's tough. I mean, see, that's what I'm saying. The Blazers went three and one against Houston this season, so we played them tough. Um, I think we in were favor tough. of Houston. No, we beat them three times. Yeah. They beat us once. Uh-huh. Um, I think we were. So, so, how do you think that Houston gets past the Lakers if the Blazers were like couldn't? Because I think they're going to take the Lakers out of their comfort zone. Like the Lakers have kind of gone by playing eighty at the power four this entire season. And that's not going to fly against um, the Rockets. And then the Rockets have a bunch of like big, strong wings to throw out LeBron James, and they're not going to be able to stop LeBron. And LeBron, I think, will be able to get his in this series because he's one of the better ISO players in the NBA. Who's going to stop him if he drives? Nobody. And, <laughs> and like the thing about Houston with their switching defenses, switching defenses force teams to become isolation teams, and the Lakers have a top five isolation guy in the league. So yep. LeBron's going to have a good series. And AD can literally shoot it over anybody in the league. Yeah, I think they're going to be able to double-team AD and do a lot of stuff to get the ball out of AD's hands. So I wouldn't be so concerned about him if I were. So they're just going to have to like run and gun? The Rockets? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. With Definitely, maybe with Westbrook. Westbrook's going to... Well, because like if they're going to play small, they're going to have to like freaking like go hard and transition and try to take advantages of many mismatches as possible, especially if like Dwight and JaVale aren't on the court. Yeah. The thing about the Rockets though, is even though they're really small, they actually are one of the slower teams in the league. Are they actually? I thought the whole purpose of playing small is to play fast. Yeah. Also to like space the floor though. Um, Yeah. But like, Oh, I guess cause you have more shooters. Yeah. When, when Westbrook's the one like controlling the offense, they are one of the fastest teams. And when the ball is in James Harden's hands, they're one of the slowest teams. So it's sort of like an interesting contradiction. It kind of just depends if they want to lean more on like Westbrook or Harden. That kind of dictates the way they're going to play, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Did you, so we're, and then, so for, so coming out of the West clips and then we think two different things. Yeah, I've got the Rockets. You've but it's got a pretty – It's. do you think it's pretty locked in that Milwaukee gets past Miami? Not at all, no. Cause you don't think Milwaukee's all the way locked in? Uh-uh. Because what's the one thing that we sort of think about with Milwaukee's defense is their ability to take shots away at the rim with, like, Brooke Lopez and Giannis. But that comes at the expense of giving up a lot of, like, threes. Of any team in, in Miami league. will make you pay with the three ball. Yeah, Miami was the best shooting team statistically this season. They shot at 38%. Who's their starting the lineup? Miami's. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the playoffs so far, it's been Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Bam Adebayo. Dude, um, that's freaking savage. Yeah, it's a good lineup. It's a good starting five. Um, and then obviously the Bucks has been Blood, though, Matthews, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez. But so, like, obviously, when you think of, like, the three-point shooting threats for Miami, like, the number one candidate or the number one sort of um, guy you fear is obviously Duncan Robinson, especially coming off the handoff game with Bam 
a bio. And that's going to be a really sort of interesting thing. I can't wait to see how Mike Budenholz or game plans for this little, um, for that challenge. Because if we're just going to go as boring as possible, which is kind of Budenholzer's MO, and we're going to put like sinners on sinners and shooting guards on shooting guards, that's Duncan Robinson being guarded by Wesley Matthews and Brooke Lopez guarding Bam Adebayo. And so Brooke Lopez in drop coverage, Duncan Robinson coming off the handoff. You don't really expect Wes Matthews to get around that screen all that well. Mm-mm. Like that's just going to be all you can eat for Duncan Robinson. Like Duncan Robinson is going to be able to pretty much have a field day. What happened to Hero? Is he hurt? No, he's been a really good sixth man for him. Oh, shoot, dude. Yeah, they're so good. What the heck? Yeah. And then, but I actually think Mike Budenholzer, I don't know how long it's going to take him to make an adjustment, but I think there are some things he can do to sort of slow down Duncan Robinson and probably almost take him out of the game as much as you can. I think the first direction I would look would just be putting Wesley Matthews on Goran Dragic and putting it Duncan Robinson around a handoff or around a screen and be able to get good contests on the three-pointers. And I think that that's probably what Budenholzer will end up doing because that's pretty simple. And I think Wesley Matthews will actually do a good job of guarding Goran Dragic as well, just because Goran Dragic isn't really a quick burst athlete. So Wes will be able to stay in front of him and kind of take away what Dragic wants to do. But if for some reason that doesn't work, maybe like, I don't know why it wouldn't. Maybe Bledsoe still isn't getting around the screens quick enough and Robinson is still getting some good looks. I think the next move for the Bucks is going to be putting Brooke Lopez on Jay Crowder and just kind of allowing Jay Crowder to shoot whatever shots he wants, which they probably would be fine doing anyway. Yeah. And then put Giannis Antetokounmpo on Bam Adebayo. And the idea there is Bam Adebayo can, or sorry, Giannis Antetokounmpo can sort of load up and hedge those screens. So when Duncan Robinson comes off the handle for him and there's no shot available, I think the only like possible issue there is just giving up so many threes that are wide open to Jay Crowder. But I think you'll live with that if you're the Bucks. Those are the kind of shots they've lived with all season. And so yeah. I don't know why you'd step away from that now. So now that I kind of think about it, I don't think Duncan Robinson will be too big of a factor this series, provided that Mike Budenholzer makes the correct adjustments, which he hasn't always been able to do throughout his career as a head coach. Um, but there's no reason that they should allow Duncan Robinson to kill them. The Heat's next biggest sort of offensive option this season has obviously been Jimmy Butler. And I actually think Jimmy Butler on offense is going to be a complete non-factor this series. A, he's being guarded by Chris Middleton and Chris Middleton is a decent defender. So like that's going to be a problem off the rip for Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy Butler, the thing about him this year is that his shooting has not only gone down in efficiency, like not only is he making less shots, he's attempting way less shots. 
his offense is pretty much predicated just on getting to the basket and and often getting fouled, which he's been very good at doing this year. But when you've got a guy like Brooke Lopez at the rim waiting for you, that's going to be a lot tougher, especially when you have Giannis helping off the weak side too. I just don't really think Jimmy's going to be able to get hardly anything going to the basket. And I think that he'll probably be able to draw a foul or two on the perimeter with Chris Middleton. But I think getting shots up at the rim effectively is going to be a real big issue for Jimmy Butler. So I don't really see any way um, he's able to get it going this series. Um, the I one think he thing finds a way. You you do. Well, he has to, I think, if, if they're going to like win. Yeah, that could be. The, I mean, he's their best player. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, I mean, they have a lot of good players, but I mean, like... Yeah, him and Bam, that's kind of been the big debate. I still kind of think Jimmy as well. The um, So one, we're thinking it's a toss-up. It just really depends on how Milwaukee plays Miami and what they're willing to allow to give Miami. Yeah, and then the one sort of wild card I think Miami has is Kelly Linick coming off oh, the, yeah. as a stretch big, and he's just been shooting the lights out lately. He's been playing very well. Um, I think he could cause um, Milwaukee a ton of problems by sort of just taking either um, Giannis or uh, Brooke Lopez sort of out of the defensive sort of out of the defensive machine out mm. and sort of just limiting their ability to protect the paint. So I think um, yeah, that's obviously going to be big just having Kelly Olenek and maybe even Myers Leonard as big guys who can space the floor and kind of compromise Milwaukee's paint defense but I think this um yeah I think this series will mostly come down to like what you were saying like what shots is Milwaukee willing to give up and how well does Miami shoot those shots when Milwaukee has the ball I think um, the Heat are as well set up to stop Giannis as any team in the NBA. Yeah. Not only because they have Bam Adebayo, who is probably the perfect defender to throw at Giannis, like quick, big, lots of length, um, intelligent defender. Uh-huh. Um, but also because Eric Spolstra is one of the best defensive coaches in the league. So, yep. yeah, I just think that um, – this series, like obviously Giannis is one of the best players in the league and will be able to do um, do stuff no matter who he plays against. But I think this is about as tough as it can get for Giannis. Um, so that's like what we saw in the Raptors series last year. When the Raptors were able to make it very difficult for Giannis, other Bucks players are going to have to step up. And last year against the Raptors, nobody stepped up and the Raptors were able to take him down. So who's it going to be for the... Bucks stepping up and creating offense if Giannis doesn't have it this series. Will Eric Bledsoe be able to get something going? Uh, what can Chris Middleton do? Is Dante DiVincenzo able to step up and sort of be a lead ball handler off the bench? What, yeah. what about George Hill? Um, but you think Boston pretty much runs through Toronto? Yeah, it's another interesting one. That's what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Just... Going back to the Milwaukee-Miami one for a second, 
I'm actually going to take the Heat in five just because I right. just – or not in five, in seven. I don't know why I said five. That That's crazy. But <laughs> Heat in seven just because I trust Eric Spolstra way more than I trust uh, Mike Boonholzer. And when you've got the best shooting team in the NBA going up against a team that loves to allow threes, that's just sort of a very tempting matchup. So yeah. I think the Heat find a way there. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I like the Celtics a lot. I picked the Raptors before the playoffs started to beat the Celtics. And now, and like a week ago, I was starting to sort of feel less confident on that pick. And after we saw game one, I feel even less confident just because I don't know how the Raptors score against the Celtics. Yeah. Like the Raptors had a below average half court offense all season, but they were able to make up for that by being the number one transition offense with guys like Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam who love to run the floor and sort of get easy buckets. But the Celtics take that away because the Celtics are the number one transition defense in the NBA. And they've obviously got like really fast wings like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, who can kind of get back and recover. And yeah, the Celtics don't allow easy baskets. And so everything that the Raptors get is going to be tough. And then on the other end, like the Raptors are one of obviously the best defenses in the NBA, probably top three defenses in the NBA, I would say. And they play smart. They play really hard. They're well coached. Um, Nick Nurse, I think, throughout the series is going to be able to come up with like a variety of different schemes and looks to throw the Celtics off. So I think that's the thing that is really working in the Raptors' favor, too. I think the Celtics aren't going to, by any means, have an easy time scoring against Toronto. And then I also think the Raptors are a lot deeper than the Celtics. Like, I think the Celtics, I only trust their starting five. Like, do you trust any of their guys coming off the bench in this series at all? I mean, I don't really know a lot of their bench players. Yeah, I mean, like, Brad Wanamaker, I thought was okay this first game. And mostly it comes down to, like, who's hitting shots. Like, if Brad Wanamaker is knocking down shots, he's passable. If Simi Ojale is knocking down shots, he's passable. But more often than not, those guys aren't shooting the ball very well. Um, But I also don't know how much that sort of, like, comes to pass either if you're Toronto because I think you got to keep Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet on the court almost all times you got to have at least one of them because those are who you're using to guard Kimba Walker and then Robert Williams looks seemed like he's good yeah they're backup center yeah yeah yeah, he's he had a good game today I thought um good on good like athletic defensive player he's just a little mistake prone and if there's one thing the Raptors do it's take advantage of mistakes But I think you're right. I think both of these defenses are going to be able to kind of really shut down the opposing offenses. So I think it's going to be a bit of a rock fight with just like some low scoring games. But I think that I'll take the Celtics in seven just because I think they have more difficult shot makers. Like Mm -hmm. when the game is like slowed down and um, 
you've got to kind of force up low efficiency shots. I trust Jason Tatum and Kimba Walker to be able to hit those yeah. tough yeah. shots more than I trust anybody on the Raptors to be able to hit shots like that. So I think I'm going to go like you with the Celtics, even though even though pre-playoffs I would have taken the Raptors in the series. I've changed my mind on that one. For sure. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I feel like there's a lot of toss-ups and there's no like exact locks, especially now, considering the fact that some guys might not be 100% locked in considering the craziness. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I think yeah. the one lock probably is going to be the Clippers. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Western Conference Finals. But, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the UFC a little bit. So, like, yesterday, yesterday there was some pretty good fights, a lot of really good, like – uh, like kind of prelim fights for the fight night tons of submissions which is awesome to see you guys displaying their ground game which is like i feel like i mean like i don't want to say but i feel like a lot of times that sometimes takes the back burner because guys get worried because like ground game and stuff isn't always the most exciting and especially when you're um kind of trying to solidify your name in the ufc or it's like your first fight in the ufc and you're trying to make a name for yourself like people kind of want to stand and bang and kind of like get that knockout of the night. You know what I mean? But there's nothing wrong with showing off your ground skills at all. And so, yeah, there was a bunch of really good submissions. Like um, the first fight of the night, Hannah Cyphers, she's like one of my favorite fighters. She was like beating the crap out of this girl, like Mallory Martin and Mallory like recovered, took Cyphers down and then Pretty sure got her in a rear naked choke. Crazy. And then the next fight was like an arm bar. And then the next fight, Sean Brady versus Christian Aguilera was a guillotine. And then Al Caceres caught his guy in a rear naked choke as well. But yeah, there was like, I'm not, I don't want to say these fights are like boring or whatever, but like the main fights that I wanted to see, like Robbie Lawler didn't really look ready for his fight against Neil Magny. Neil Magny kind of just drowned him. Like, he because he's such a long guy he's like six three has like an 80 inch wings like um reach and he kind of just like did drown him and then um anthony smith kind of feel bad for the guy he's like one of the top light heavyweights in the world he fought a really tough guy same kind of deal happened like he's losing momentum like he wanted to get back in the heavyweight kind of title picture but after losing a fight like this like it's kind of tough like he the he had a guy like break into his house oh, and like, wow. he had to like fight him off and stuff. And I, he's not really been the same since then. Really? Yeah. It was great. It was a crazy story, but yeah, the UFC fights pretty good. I'm looking forward to, I think we will talk about it later in the week, closer to the upcoming fights. Like Dana White's contender series is on Tuesday. going to probably watch a few of those. Some of those guys are kind of, those stories are kind of cool, but for the Saturday's fights, Overeem versus Augustus Sakai, like a little precursor to that. Like Sakai, he's good, but hasn't faced like the cream of the crop talent-wise. And also Overeem is literally one of the best strikers that has ever walked the face of the planet, especially the heavyweight class, weight class. So it's not to be like some criminal and break into a guy's house and it turns out the person is a UFC fighter. Yeah, but the guy, Anthony, Anthony Smith literally said that like – it was the hardest fight he's ever been a part of in his entire life. Really? Yeah. Like the guy put up a huge fight. Apparently the kid was like a wrestler, like a pretty good wrestler from like the Midwest and stuff. Dang. Why? He shouldn't be the Robin houses. He should be trying to 
kid in the UFC. For real, dude. This is a lot. This is a big man too. He's like six three, two hundred plus pounds, and this kid was like a little bit bigger than us and really skinny. And he said it was like one of the hardest fights he's ever had to like put up with his life. He said the kid ate like all of his elbows, all of his punches, everything. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, let's be careful. But I mean, yes, it's kind of it's crazy. But I don't think the person was sober. Per se. Which person? The person that broke into the house. I don't think that they were like natural strength. Oh. I think they were hyped up on a little bit of something. Oh. A little superhuman juice. As long as they do that before the UFC, (laughs) they should be okay. For real, for real. So do you have a um, performer of the week? Um. I got mine. Brandon Belt, San Francisco Giants. Literal man's... I kind of crap on him a lot because he hasn't been like the hottest hitter, but he's always been a solid guy. He's been with the Giants through the thick and thin. He has really helped propel the Giants into winning because we were on a seven-game win streak. We lost a couple games to the Dodgers because of the stupid freaking, uh, what do you call it, the new rules where it's a seven-game doubleheader if you postpone a game. Like, that kind of killed our momentum, but I completely understand why they postponed the games. But – yeah, he really has helped propel the Giants into, like, just into the wind into the wind column because our best hitters have kind of they haven't been they haven't been like super cold, but they aren't as hot as they were. So it's really good to see other guys step up. You know, it's just if only everybody could be hot at the same time, that'd be amazing. But I'm not going to complain. The Giants have been playing really good, and the NOS is scary because the Padres have literally been making money moves. Like they made like four trades today, and ah, uh, to d- tomorrow is the trade deadline for the MLB. So there was a trade deadline. Oh, interesting. And the Giants, that was like on my phone. I have like Apple Music or whatever. Yeah. So I was my aunt was like watching TV, and I was sitting outside, and I was just like searching up the Giant game, and like KNBR is the radio station down there in san yeah. francisco and so they were playing like i can just like tap in and listen to the giants games on my phone which is kind of sick yeah it's dope and it's kind of cool to like listen to because like the radio and tv guys sometimes switch off and like the giants have like some of the best like color play-by-play commentators in the league so it's kind of cool listening to them but yeah Plus baseball is like probably the easiest sport to follow on the radio too mm-hmm, for sure it's, it's chill. Really kind of relaxing to listen to it on the radio while you like do something else mm-hmm. but cool. yeah i'm proud of the giants for what they've been doing they've, they're in a really tough division and it's really odd and but they're staying in arizona right now oh, really? because if they they don't want to fly back to san francisco if there's a trade that needs to be done like they want that person to come and be on with them for their upcoming road trip. Oh, gotcha. And the Giants, they're not exactly in the playoff picture right now, are they? No, but they, they're getting, they're working their way up to 500 and to get to the playoffs, you need to be at least 500 and above. Oh, so everybody who's 500 and above makes the playoffs? No, but it really helps. Okay. Wait, so it's not like the, it's not like the NBA Jonah. Where you can be sub five hundred like the Blazers and still oh, yeah. well, yeah, I know. But like, do you, <laughs> think the, do you think the Giants will be like trying to sell off some some of their like more veteran players and try to load up on future assets? Or that could be the move. But I also think that I really like the team that they have, and I think one major, 
I, we really need a bullpen, a, a solid guy that we can rely on to close out games when we have the lead. The biggest thing we need. Offense hasn't really been a problem for us this year, which is crazy. Usually it's the other way around where we can barely score. Like we, we chip away like one or two runs, but we can't protect that. Now it's like we score four, five, six, seven runs. We need to protect that with our pitching. Right. It's opposite, which I, I like that problem more because if we get down three or four runs, I'm not concerned about it. Like over the course of the game, we'll probably get those back eventually. But these last few games have been a little bit tough though, because we, we've been a little bit slow. Like today's game, we scored one run. And then I think that was like it. We like got one home run in the first inning. And then after that, like we didn't score anything until I believe the eighth. And then we, we, we like unloaded or whatever. We, we ended up winning like five to something, but oh, yeah, I- we're looking good. I'm really liking our team. And when I was saying that we might go to the world series, I wasn't joking, dude. Uh, no, no, but yeah. Um, performer of the week, Brandon belt. Who is yours? Mine is going to be, um, Luka Doncic. Cause yeah. even though he got eliminated by the Los Angeles Clippers, he still had a pretty spectacular first playoff series where he kept like putting up 30 and 40 point triple doubles and basically being the entire engine against, uh, he, he's basically, yeah, he's the engine of the Mavericks offense. Especially basically, he, yeah. He's not on the floor. And he hit, like, the first defining shot of his career, which I thought mm-hmm. was, like, a big milestone for him. So even though Luca's, even though Luca's team struggled and ended up being eliminated, he still hit a lot of, like, big check marks and made a lot of, like, and, yeah, he pretty much wrote an entire chapter and, like, the legend of Luka Doncic. So I think it was like a big, it was a big postseason for him as an individual, even if it wasn't that big of a postseason for the Mavs, if that makes sense. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. He's a beast. Um, and the stuff he's already accomplished at such a young age. It's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. The sky is still the limit for him. Yeah. Um, so another thing I wanted to do. So in honor of our boy, Chadwick Bozeman, we, I wanted to do, um, since like 42 is personally one of my favorite movies of all time, I wanted to do like, do you have a list of any of your favorite sports movies of all time that you like? That are your fave? Let me hear I hate to put you on the spot here. Yeah, you go first. I want to, I, I don't want to think of mine. I know okay. they're what I like. So 42, one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, so I've literally seen it at least 10 times. And so that was very, it was very devastating to me when I heard that he died. He was, tra- it was tragic. Like he's literally such a good actor and the stuff that like, the, some of the roles that he was going, like the fact that he was had cancer and was doing these things is absolutely mind boggling mm-hmm. to me. But yeah, so I got to go 42 and then Nacho Libre. It's not really a sports movie, but he's a rest. He's like a professional wrestler. I kind yeah, of thought a sports movie. Yeah, that's, that's a sports. That's movie. The, that's literally like my childhood. Is that movie right there? Nacho Libre. It's like my favorite movie of all time. Like one of my favorite movies ever. Not as much as forty two. Forty two is like number one. And then Warrior is a really good one with um Tom Hardy. It's like a early MMA movie. Like early, early. You yeah, should watch I've it. Never it seen it's, that one. You've never seen it. It's re- it's really good. It's about like two brothers. Okay. Like one, it's completely have completely different backgrounds, and then they end up fighting each other at the end for like they do like a tournament they just have a really broken like family and like 
really weird dynamic and it's just really interesting. And then Moneyball. Moneyball is a good one. Yeah, that's With a good Brad, one. Brad Pitt and the Oakland A's and that whole deal. That's kind of how I feel like that's the Giants good. have been doing their thing like the last few last few years. That's a good Except thing. they haven't been winning. <laughs> they haven't been winning now. Um, and then We Are Marshall. Oh, dude, that's a good <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. I love We Are Marshall. Anything um, with Matthew McConaughey in it is an automatic winner mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, and then, dude, yeah, that movie's just crazy. Yeah, he he's such a good Matthew McConaughey is such a good actor. And then remember, the Titans is absolute classic. I've seen that movie probably a hundred thousand times. They play it every year in school, like. If some way or another you just run into that movie, and then um, Invincible with Mark Wahlberg, where he plays like Vince Papali or whatever, it's like that Disney movie. Have you seen it? No. He's like the he like he's like he goes and tries out for the Eagles and he makes the team. That's it sounds like a cool premise. I've never seen it though. You've never seen those movies before? No. Dang, but yeah, I like those, I, I have I've tend like. Um, obviously major league stuff like that those those movies are the best but yeah do you have anyone in particular that kind of sticks out to you yeah so i would say honorable mentions go to a uh, caddyshack and uh, oh yeah and um happy gilmore oh uh, yeah for sure for sure yeah those are classics super funny mm-hmm. oh dodgeball. what's that oh yeah dodgeball. that's good too i then gotta throw a I've got to throw a Space Jam in there. Just I've never seen Space Jam. Oh, you haven't? No. You should see it just before like they make the new one. Yeah, I've honestly never seen that. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never yeah. like legitimately watched it. But there's so many good sports movies out there. Have you yeah. seen... It's like called The Express? No. Crap, I forget exactly who it's... Uh, it's about like... um. Ernie Davis, I think is his name. He's like one of the first black guys to ever win the Heisman Trophy. And he oh, played yeah. for like Syracuse or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah seen it. There's tons. Oh, and then um, like I think it's called Race or something with Jesse Owens. Yeah, I've never seen it either. Yeah. <laughs> and then also like the Bruce Lee movies are freaking fire. Can I say what, my number one sports movie of all time though? Is actually my number one overall favorite movie of all time. What is actually, it? no, it's my number two overall favorite movie of all time. But it is Cool Runnings, um, which is What's about. That? It's a movie about the uh, Jamaican bobsled team. Oh, my to, parents love that movie. That's awesome. It's probably one, it's probably the second best movie that's ever been made. Um, yeah, it's I've a never classic. Seen it, dude. You have to watch it. It's. Very funny, very inspirational. It's a de- even a tearjerker. Like, I don't usually cry at movies, but just all the challenges they had to overcome to compete in the Winter Olympics was just very moving. <laughs> You're going to tear up? Yeah, probably. It yeah, but, dude, bad. yeah. There's, there's, you know, the scenes in 42 where, uh, frick, I forget the, the Indians manager just goes off on Jackie Robinson and Jackie just wants to kill him. Like, the things that they, people say to other people is like, absolutely mind-boggling to me. And to think that it was okay to say things, those things is crazy. Yeah. It's wild. But, yeah, and then also I want to talk a little bit about, like, I think it's pretty cool that sports organizations are going to start opening up, trying to make their stadiums, like, pulling – 
areas and also like how I think it's pretty sick how sports organizations are actually starting to, I don't know why this hasn't happened sooner, but they're starting to kind of use their power to their favor and to make change in a way. Like, I think, I think that's really cool. And I think it's really important that they're pushing people to vote and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think, I, I don't understand why this hasn't happened sooner. Are you registered to vote this year, Colin? Oh yeah. 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 Or yeah. I registered, uh, probably about two months ago nice <laughs> like everybody as soon as they turn 18 like I, I that i know they registered right away really i forgot i actually <laughs> yeah me too i, I had to procrastinate i was like i was like going through i was like bored one night and i was like crap dude i'm not even registered to vote and i was like midnight one night yeah my you can do it online now yeah and i just did it yeah it took me like five minutes to do yeah it, it literally took me five minutes too yeah Everybody who's listening to this, if you haven't registered to vote, just Google it. And it's extremely easy and it's definitely worth it. So, oh, yeah, 100%, especially now, dude. Um, yeah, whether you're going to vote for Biden or Trump or whoever else, just be sure you're registered. Yeah. And just make sure taking into consideration everything before you vote for a specific person. Also, um last question when you like think of your favorite sports movies is there any specific movie you'd like to see like is there an athlete that you would like to see a biography like (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he's i think yeah but uh is there really a happy ending there i mean like johnny manziel went to rehab yeah you're right (laughs) Johnny Manziel. I'll never forget when Skip Bayless said that. <laughs> Johnny Manziel needs <laughs> That was back when Skip Bayless wasn't even a complete joke like he is now. Yeah, but, for real. Yeah, who else would be good? I mean, obviously Myers Leonard. I think cool. Dame would be good. Yeah, Dame would be cool. It would be cool. Probably this would happen in a few years, but more of like a you dog. Colin Kaepernick's going to get one, dog. Yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. It would be cool, like a documentary about the Warriors. Like I feel like that story yeah. isn't isn't finished yet. Like but, a Last Dance yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that they're not done. No, I'm well, sure yeah. there is footage. Yeah, that's kind of the cool thing about this day and age that there's probably footage about pretty much everything. Now. Right. No. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, the Warriors would be cool. I'm trying to think of like an athlete, like in the past that, that would you be haven't cool. you would like to know more about yeah um i know that that jamie jamie fox is gonna be play mike tyson in a new movie that's what i kind of got this question from oh really that's yeah cool. mm-hmm. pretty sick sounds just like him in the really? video that i've seen that's yeah cool. yeah i know i can't really think of anybody else um, the thing is if you're doing a mike tyson movie you can't really impersonate him too much because you don't really want to piss him off you know you yeah but i think they're pretty cool thing. yeah yeah and Jamie Foxx is like, how could you hate that guy? What? How could you hate Jamie Foxx? He's, oh, like, yeah. he's so cool. Yeah. And he's a great actor. But yeah, um, I can't really think of anybody else. I think Conor McGregor will have a movie eventually. Yeah. But he already has the documentary. Like his whole life is his whole life's a movie anyway. Like his Netflix documentary, Notorious, is literally a documentary. Like he did his best. I th- Dude, Loki, like it's a, it was a scripted. 
Like he was like, I don't know. His life is the closest thing to an actual movie script that I've ever seen. Oh yeah. He, did he, was he sort of in charge? I didn't watch the documentary about him, but is you he could watch notorious. It's so good. Did he kind of like choose what was in it and kind of have a hand in directing it too? Well, but just no, just like the way his life worked out chronologically is eerie. Really? Yeah. The fact that he started with nothing and just literally kept winning and doing what he said he was going to do. I'm going to knock you out in the first round. I'm going to knock you out in the first round. I'm going to knock you out in the first round. I'm going to knock you out in the first round. Like, bing, 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 bing. Well, yeah, that's that's what happens when you're super good at what you do. Right, but he's not just fighting like numb nuts. Like, he's actually fighting like the best fighters of all time. Like, Jose Aldo was literally God before he fought him for the the featherweight title. Like, the undisputed featherweight title. Then he clacks him. I think it was, what, 14 seconds? He ended the the best you ended like one of the best careers that M- mma has ever known I, and it's never been the same since have you uh, watched bloodline what's that it's a tv show on netflix it's really good no i've never seen it have you watched hoops no dude i watched like 15 minutes of the first episode it's like it's the weirdest show ever. It's oh, like that's the animated one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually did watch the first episode. Yeah, it's not very good, is it? It's not good at all. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, it is an odd show, but yeah, um, yeah. I think we kind of covered a lot. Yeah, we did. Good yeah, at least got through the NBA, which we had a lot to catch up on. So it yeah, was good. we did for sure. But yeah, thank you for doing this. This is cool. We we'll do another one later. Another. What? Sounds good. Can't yeah, we'll wait. do another one later in the week. Awesome. Well, I'm right, looking, good I'm gonna, I want to try to get another back. guest on before the other guy comes on. Yeah, like a famous one or just like one of our friends? I mean, I don't really care. Just anybody, honestly. Yeah, it sounds good. I, yeah. There, yeah, there are a few people who I know want to be on it. So. Oh, for real? Yeah, I'll text them and ask. All right, awesome. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. You too.